this fine uh, fall afternoon. It finally kind of felt a little bit fallish, didn't it? If that's a word. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, if I can get some help taking up the offering tonight. Anybody grab a bucket? Somebody grab some buckets back there. and I'll pray for tonight and um, we will get going. Uh, I'm going to pray for um, uh, Charles Brent again. Uh, they, they've had some, some good stuff happen. Um, if, if anybody's been following on that, um, they, did, they were able to to get last last Wednesday actually when we left here that's when everything kind of happened and uh, he had to go back to the emergency room uh, for the port thing that they put in uh, it came out and then it you know it's kind of a long story but it was it was um, not a good situation uh, but they they redid it and then they tested it yesterday um, and it didn't have any leaks which is great but the doctor would did not really like the position 100% they needed they felt like it was in a little bit too deep and so um, they're going to my understanding is they're going to reposition that tomorrow um, today today and it, it, everything was good so they tested the leak again everything well great so that's that's great news the next thing that we need to do is just be begin to pray that when they start giving him solid food that all of that tests out good and then that they're able to um, uh, to do the rinse again and that nothing leaks and all that stuff so because uh, they are uh, him and them are ready to get out of that hospital uh, but we don't want them to get out of there until it's 100 percent. amen so we'll pray for that we'll just pray for the offering tonight father we thank you praise you we give you glory and honor for today lord today is the day that you've made we'll rejoice and be glad in today lord i thank you father for every tither i thank you for every giver every business every um, avenue of income uh, for, for every person that's uh, here and uh, that's a part of Word of Faith Outreach Center. And Lord, we just thank you, Father, that as they obey your word uh, with happy hearts, Father, Lord, I thank you that you, um, uh, you uphold your word. Uh, Lord, you said that in a way that a man sows, that's how he'll reap. And I thank you, Father, that, we're, that we are uh, generous givers, Father, so I thank you, Lord, that we are bountiful reapers. Uh, Lord, not giving grudgingly our necessity, but Lord, we're giving cheerfully because we love your kingdom, and we thank you, Father, that you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise you for that. Lord, we also lift up to you uh, Charles Brent and Alex and Blake and the whole family, Father, as it's, it's, uh, it's been a trying time, uh, especially just being gone and all the ups and the downs, but we thank you, Father, that you are sustaining them, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have comforted them, that you've given them strength and continue to give them patience throughout this uh, trial. But Lord, we thank you, Father, most of all, that, that Charles Brent is healed in Jesus' name, that, that um, uh, the procedure that they had to do uh, won't just hold uh, momentarily, uh, but it will hold eternally, Father. And I thank you right now, Lord, that they will never have another problem out of that, uh, out of that procedure and the things that were done there. Thank you, Father, that there will be no leaks, that he'll be able to uh, eat uh, here shortly, and everything will go uh, according to plan. We thank you, Father, no more setbacks, no, um, no residual effects. Lord, a, a good and a quick healing, Father. And Lord, we just thank you for that, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You can give if you have anything to give tonight. Uh, and then as you're doing that, <clears throat> we've, uh, we've been on a series on Wednesday nights. Um, on really uh, authority and uh, the weapons of our warfare. Uh, but tonight I want to get a little bit deeper into where this authority comes from because we know 
that it comes from God, obviously. Um, but I think that if we examine Jesus' life, uh, that we can really begin, uh, begin to see uh, what backs up our authority. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm believing God, um, it, it, it's, when you're believing God, you can't just believe God for whatever you want to believe God for. Amen? I think sometimes we, we get that confused. Uh, because if you just believe God for whatever you want to believe God for, then how many of you know whatever is not in the Bible? Amen? But what is in the Bible is in the Bible. And if we stick close to that, there's been times where I have wanted something or maybe even thought I needed something or there was just something going on and, and, and I, I just knew that when I prayed for that thing, there was no authority behind that, there was no power behind that, there was no confidence behind that. Because I knew that I knew that I did, I've never seen that in the Word before. It was just something that maybe was soulish or something like that. Um, but the same can be true if, if it maybe is in the Word, but you don't know it's in the Word. And, and when you don't know if it's in the Word or not, it's hard for you to have confidence in what you're praying. Amen? It's hard for you to stand there and, and know that that's exactly the way it needs to be. And I'll, I'll clear a little bit of that up. Um, tonight in this, and I, I hope that that brings that out, because I want you above all uh, to begin to be confident in the authority that you have in Christ. Amen? So, you are the believer, and God is the worker. Amen? He is the provider. You are the believer, and he's the one that does the thing that you're believing for. One of the most underused uh, aspects of the Christian life is the authority that we have in Christ. And I'm not just saying, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not just saying uh, our church necessarily, or churches that have been taught on that, but I think as a whole, one of the most underused uh, aspects of the Christian's life uh, is that of understanding what authority that they have in Jesus Christ. And so uh, the word authority that, that really we see in the Bible a lot means uh, delegated influence, um, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength. Uh, the word is translated both, in the Bible, it's translated both power uh, and authority. So that word, uh, it's the Greek word uh, that's exousia, and actually they, uh, sometimes that word in the, in the Bible gets translated power, and other times that word gets translated uh, authority, but it is the same uh, Greek word. And so, if you will, let's go to Luke, uh, the fourth chapter. Luke, the fourth chapter, and um, the 31st verse. Luke 4, verse 31. <clears throat> and then we're going to read through 37. It says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. That's that word, exousia. His, his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Notice where he was. He was where? He wasn't in the bar. He was in the synagogue. And he had a demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, let us alone. So Jesus is there, and, and, and the demon cries out of the man, leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority, that same word uh, that we said from the Greek, and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out unto every place in the surrounding region. So Jesus gets through preaching here about 22 little mini-sermons. If you go back and you read it all the way through, he, he just got through preaching about 22 little mini-sermons. And uh, he ends with the build your house on the rock sermon. You, you guys remember that one? You know, not on the sand, but on the rock, Matthew 7. And then in verses 28 and 29, this is what he says after all those sermons and then after preaching that uh, sermon um, that talked about building your house on the rock and all the sand. This is what he says. It says uh, in verses, Matthew, uh, the seventh chapter, verse 28 and 29. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. Pay really close to this. It says, the reason why they're astonished, it says, for he taught them as one having authority. For he taught them as someone having authority. And watch this. This is the most important part. And not as the scribes. So the difference, the reason why they said that they were astonished by Jesus' teachings is that he was somebody who actually taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And that doesn't really seem, uh, you know, all that, you know, uh, deep of a revelation until you think about who the scribes were. I got this excerpt out of a book, and, and listen to their description of the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were also called rabbis, and they demanded from their students absolute reverence, even more so than the pupil's honor for his own father. So back then, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would demand that people honored them uh, as teachers and even more than, you couldn't give your father or your mother more honor than what you would give the scribes and the Pharisees. It was taught that respect to a teacher should exceed respect for a father. For both father and son owe respect to the teacher. That was their line of thinking, that if both if you're a father, you owe respect to the teacher, and if you're a son, you owe respect to a teacher, then a son should give more respect to the teacher than his own father. That's their line of thinking back then, or maybe even now. Their influence with the people was exceedingly great. That influence was mainly due to the fact that they appeared to be so learned. They were expounders of the law, and they occupied a leading place um, in the worship of the synagogue, Thus, all religious in, uh, instruction of the day was in their hands. They taught in schools, in houses of teaching, in uh, chambers, in the outer courts of the temple in Jerusalem, in the synagogues, and, in, uh, and even in the streets. In the New Testament, the scribes are mentioned as the teachers of the law, the rabbis and the official, uh, the official leaders of the people. Along with the Pharisees and the, gospel, uh, and the gospels refer to them as doctors of the law. According to the New Testament, they sat in the Sanhedrin, an assembly uh, of about 23 to 21 men appointed uh, in every city in the land of Israel. Jesus came into conflict with the scribes after, uh, uh, often because he and his disciples didn't observe the traditions. Mark 7 describes 
uh, an example of Jesus and his, and his followers not observing traditional rules in relation to the Sabbath and cleanness. In Matthew 23, where Jesus pronounces his woes upon the scribes and Pharisees, he repeated his prophetic curse upon them, woe to you, eight times because of their arrogance, hypocrisy, self-seeking, ambition, and scrupulous observances. So, this is kind of a, that's kind of a backstory as to who the scribes and who the Pharisees were. So going back to what the people said after hearing Jesus teach these, all these sermons, all these little mini-sermons, he's teaching all of them, and, and he gets done, and it says the people were astonished because they taught him as one, they taught them, he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes. So my question is, if the scribes had all of this religious power over the people, why does Matthew 7, 28 say, for he taught them as having authority, not as the scribes? Because clearly right here, they had authority and power. The, I, think, I think what we're, we're seeing here is, is the difference between um, self-gained authority and power and given power, real power and real authority. Amen? So, if we remember what we said at the beginning, authority is delegated power. The authority is only as good as the power behind the delegation. So, yes, at, 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 at some point, these, this, this system was put into place. God put this system into place where there was priests and there, and there were all these people that were a part of this. And, and there was some God-given authority and there was some God-given power. But there's two things going on here. One... Uh, it, has, it has gone the way of men as, as, as it can um, and, and as it does very, very often. It happens in even today's New Testament churches. There are New Testament churches out there, loads of them out there, that I think that the pastor uh, demands more honor and, 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 and more respect from the people than what he expects them to honor and respect God sometimes. And uh, I, there was a funny story one time. We, uh, and, and I do believe in honoring people um, because of uh, because of their, their people, you know. I mean, I, I don't expect any less or any more honor than you would just give uh, to to any person, and and I don't. I certainly don't expect anybody to to treat me any uh, weird way or anything like that. I'm appreciative of of anything that uh, people do, and 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 they're appreciative of the office that I hold, and if I'm doing a good job. But here's the thing about it: I'm going to respect and I'm going to uh, to honor a police officer. Because, not because of his name, but because of the name on his badge and the authority that he's been given. Amen? But how many of you know that not every person that has ever donned the badge of a police officer uh, has always been a good, respectful, honoring person? Amen? They still have some authority there, but that doesn't mean that they're using it in the correct way. And the same goes for, for any man that's holding any position. And, and I think any man that's holding any position... Uh, that is not honoring that position with, with correct behavior and doing what they're supposed to do, um, then I don't think that you have to, uh, you, you, you definitely can, can blow the whistle on that. Amen? There's nothing wrong with blowing the whistle on that. And so that's kind of what, uh, there's, there's kind of two things going on. That's been going on. They've, they've, they've completely given themselves uh, up to um, just honoring themselves, self-seeking ambition, where, where they have learned 
that there's a lot of money involved in this and that they can manipulate the people and that ultimately they have the say-so. And you see that even in today's churches. You see where uh, if, you have, if you have a pastor uh, or, or a minister or whatever that never wants to truly teach you the Bible but only wants to keep you in a place where they make you think he's the only one that gets the revelation, you're in a toxic situation. You're in a toxic situation. Why? Because any good pastor, any good minister wants to help open your eyes to what the Bible says and, and help you to begin to study the Bible so that you can get it on the inside of you. Why? Because God's got so much good stuff for you in here, and any good person would want that to happen. But a person who is after his own selfish gain wants to keep you ignorant so he can tell you what's in there. Amen? And that's, that's completely wrong. There's a, there's a lot of denominations that, that they, they won't even let their people read the Bible. Or I heard one guy say, uh, uh, or somebody told me that they had a pastor one time tell them that they, were, they didn't know what they were talking about because they, were, they just didn't have the gift to read the Bible and understand it. I'm like, the gift? I mean, all you got to do is go find an English teacher and let them teach you English. And then you can read it, or whatever language you want to read the Bible in. I mean, you don't have to have, there's, there's no gift to read the Bible. Everybody, it's, it's open to everybody, amen? And God can give revelation to anybody. Matter of fact, the Bible actually says, the New Testament actually says, you have no need of a teacher because the Holy One lives on the inside of you and teaches you all things. Amen? So, so yes, uh, uh, there's a part of my... Uh, a part of my gift and calling my job description that is to teach you the Bible but this is really the biggest part of me teaching you the Bible is, is is to equip you for the work of the ministry that's that's really my part in that to equip you for the work of the ministry and so that's why tonight we're ta we're teaching on a subject like authority because I want you to know that you have authority in Christ amen but right here the the scribes and the Pharisees were trying to keep people uh, uh, in, in, a, in a mindset that they were too ignorant to know what God wanted for them, or they were too ignorant to know what the Bible said about them, and they were lording over them. That way, they could just make up the rules of the game as they go. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? That you don't know how to play the game that they're playing because they keep making up the rules, and every time you get the rule, they change the rule? And like I said, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, that's where you get a lot of, a lot of these um, ministries and stuff like that, that they have these personal pet peeves that they don't like this and they do like that and they can't find it in the Bible uh, where it says that God says he doesn't want you to do that. They just know they don't like it. And so then they just tell people, well, God said, or it's against the Bible, or it's ungodly. Well, show me in the Bible where it's ungodly. Well, they can't do that or they pull out some kind of, uh, uh, you know, scripture that doesn't hardly mean nothing about that, Right? It's called religious control, and that's exactly what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. And so when you have someone that, that has been underneath religious control for a long time, and then someone stands up and starts really preaching the word like Jesus did with authority, people start going, this guy's preaching like he has some authority, unlike the scribes. Well, the scribes had total authority back then. They could have 
Obviously, somebody killed by the Romans if they wanted to because they had Jesus killed by the Romans. So they had some power and they had some authority, but what the people saw that day was this guy right here, he has the authority and the power to truly bring the Word of God into a place where it needs to be alive. And the scribes and the Pharisees, all they were doing was taking the Word of God, twisting it, manipulating it, and putting it into a form where they could, uh, they could take and, and, and lord over the people with it. Amen? So, the authority is only as good as the power behind the delegator. If you come to impose authority on me, are you, in your own name or, or the name of something that doesn't mean anything, I'm not going to listen to that. Amen? If somebody came, uh, you know, had no badge, had no warrant, had no right to be at your house, and they came to your house to impose authority on you, how would you respond? Well, I'm not going to say because I'm being recorded right now how I'd respond. But you might have a different way of responding. But, but, but I hope that you wouldn't respond by just going, okay, take whatever you want. You know, whatever. Right? Why? Because they have no authority there. But a lot of times what happens in the Christian's life is, is they just let whatever thought and, 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 and whatever thing that the devil wants to do just, just barge right in. You've got to protect your thoughts you have to protect your mind you have to protect your emotions you have to protect the, the 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 direction that you have in your life with as much tenacity as you would protect your home if it was if it had your wife and your kids or, or whoever or if you had you know a, a truckload of gold in there you'd protect it you'd lock it up you would make sure that, that we had some preventative measures. You'd put cameras up and all these things. But, but a lot of times when it comes to our life and the enemy's role in, in imposing this authority that he does not have on us, we just kind of go, well, I, I, guess, I, I guess he knows what he's doing. I, guess, I mean, just, just, hey, when you get done, um, you know, ravaging my life, just leave me a little something. That's not how we ought to be as, as, as believers. We ought not let just anything and everything happen in our life the way it wants to happen you know what that's called a dead fish floating down the river and anybody can do that what do they say a lot it takes a live one to swim upstream well just because you got saved and just because God did give you that authority if you're not walking in that authority you're just as good as a dead fish floating down the river and you just let the current take you wherever you want and push you wherever you want instead of standing up in your life and saying no I've got some authority and I've got some say in here and we're going we're gonna to find out where, that, where exactly that comes from. Um, let's see. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority had been given to Jesus? All authority had been given to me, has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So the scribe's authority was backed up. It was backed up by some Old Testament rulings. And it's, I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying that they had strayed from that. They had taken advantage of even that. So they had that, that backing them up. And I said there was two things happening. One thing is they had taken advantage of the, of the actual authority that the priesthood had been given. But the second thing that was happening is that God, through Jesus, was taking away the power and the authority of the priesthood and giving it to the high priest who is Jesus. Amen? 
And that's where, that's where the conflict came in. Because you got to think about this. Most of these men are generation, generations old scribes and Pharisees. This was a family thing. It got passed on to son after son after son. I'm not saying they, they couldn't incorporate other scribes, incorporate other Pharisees, but they went to school for this. And the smarter you were and the better you were at, at deciphering the Bible and, and, and sounding really smart, the, the higher up you got. That's how Saul, who became Paul, that's where he got his authority from because he said that he went through uh, the school of Gamaliel and he was one of the top guys and he was the top of the class. He said, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He says, according to the law, I was perfect. I knew it all. And so that's kind of how, but you got to think about this. Think about in today's, in today's world, and um, I don't want to get on politics, but let, let, we'll just use it as an example. But you've got, if you really go up there into Washington, D.C., you will not find very many people who don't have generation of generation of people in, you don't think it because their last names change because of obviously marriages and different things like that. But a lot of these people that are up there, if you go back and trace them back, they have generation-old authority up there. And the reason why they don't like anybody messing with the system they got going on up there is because they got a good system going on for them and their families. You can believe me or you can not believe me. So we'll get off politics for just a minute and we'll go back to, back to the priesthood. Same thing's going on. You got people who they transferred this authority and kept it in their families after family and the, the people who got to stay in that were people who would play the game and the game was we're going to lord over the people and we're going to make all the decisions for them uh, and, and we're going to say god told us and we're going to uh we're going to go to them and tell them say god told us that you need to be given more to the church and you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that and when jesus came he's like the outsider that comes in messing up their program and they did not like that because when he came in speaking truth and having real authority, they knew something is different. The people's eyes are being opened. Every time he teaches, the people's eyes are being opened. And the more the people's eyes get open, the more they're going to see what we've really been doing. And the more they see what we've really been doing, we're going to lose control. And they're going to start following him as they were, like a Pied Piper. And we're going to lose all that. So that's why they had him killed. You know, we don't really hardly ever dig into the backstory of what was going on. But that's what was going on. He had real authority, and real authority came up against fake or false or manipulative authority. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So the scribe's authority was backed up by Old Testament law and religious hypocrisy. Jesus' authority was backed up by all the power of heaven. The Amplified of Matthew 28, 18 says this, Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on the earth has been given unto me. Think about, <laughs> think about the, 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 the awkwardness that would have been in the room. You've got... Joseph's son, and yeah, when he was 12 years old, he taught in the synagogue, and they were astonished. Look at this guy. Look at this kid. Man, he's doing all right. But when he comes back as a 30-year-old man, and he walks 
into the lion's den, so to speak. He walks into the serpent chamber where all the high priests were running this game. And he begins to do real miracles. And he begins to teach with real authority. And then he walks into that room with those guys. And he says that. The, the Amplified is kind of what they would have. You can say it a certain way. And it got translated a certain way. But the Amplified translates how they would have heard that or how, what it would have meant to a Greek-speaking person. And it says, he approaches and breaks the silence. He walks into the midst of them. And this is what he says to them. All authority, all power of rule, all power of rule in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. He started a war right there. I don't think we think about that. Either that or they looked at him and went, he's crazy. This guy's crazy. They knew he wasn't crazy because they saw the realness of his ministry. Go to uh, Matthew, the ninth chapter. And let's start in verse 1. Matthew 9, 1. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. This is Jesus picking another fight. This is him ruffling some more feathers. Because it said, at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. So he told the man, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. And the guy gets up and walks. And the scribes immediately said, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? And the reason why they didn't want him saying your sins, and the reason why Jesus, I believe, chose to use that terminology, was because if he could forgive sins, then their job, their job's over. He just completely wiped out their whole job. If people could come to Jesus for their sins to be forgiven. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. So he, he's, just, he's just, you know, taking them to task here. Um, Go to um, Mark 11 now. Let's see. Mark 11. Uh, 27 through 33. So this is where 
the, the scribes and the Pharisees really begin to question his authority. Because he's been wielding it, and people are recognizing it, and now they're questioning where it's coming from. Then they came uh, again to Jerusalem, and, he, and, um, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? So they stopped him at the door. They saw him coming. By what authority do you do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus is so smart. He says, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. Here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew, and there's, it's going to explain it here in a minute, that they could not answer that question without validating him. And they didn't answer it because they knew that's what would happen. And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, so they had, they, they said they, they had a huddle. He asked them a question, they go, huddle up guys, huddle up guys. If somebody's got to huddle up to give you an answer, they're lying. Come on. If anybody ever says, well, I'll just get back, i got to huddle up on this, they're trying to figure out an angle. So they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he's going to say, why then did you not believe him? Meaning, if they say that John's ministry of baptism was legit, and they ha are in, in, in also saying that Jesus is legit. Because John was the one who proclaimed that Jesus was the one that he was out there preparing the way for. He said, we can't do that. But if we say from men, it says, then they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So all the people thought that John's ministry was legit. So if they, if they say, no, we don't, then the people are going to riot against us. We already got them kind of going that direction. So they answered and said to Jesus, we don't know. They just said, we don't know. And Jesus answered and said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. If you're going to hold your cards, I'm going to hold my cards, is what Jesus said. Listen, Jesus will help you be that smart in situations just like that. I've, I've had it happen. I have had it happen. I had, a, I had a situation one time with this guy, and I won't get into all the, all the deals with it, but, oh, man, he was playing a game. He was playing a game. And, um, and I didn't realize that he was playing chess, and, I, and, and for one, I wasn't playing games, but he was playing chess, and I was playing checkers. You know what, that, you know what I mean? By he, was, he had thought out this whole thing. I had not thought about that. He did something, and he finally, it was kind of the last straw. So I was going, and I had picture evidence. So I had taken a picture, and I was about to send him a text and say, what's up, dude? I mean, I was done. I was tired of it. And right before I sent that picture, the Holy Spirit said, don't send that. Because I'll tell you what I did. All right, can I tell you what I did? Sometimes, sometimes. When you're a worship leader, and this wasn't here, but sometimes when you're a worship leader, you have really sweet people that want to sing that can't sing. And so you let them sing, and you let them hear their self, but you don't let the audience hear them. 
because that type of singing is for Jesus only. So I had not done what this guy that was helping me out in that area wanted me to do. I did not play his game. I kind of figured him out, and I had kind of set back on my haunches a little bit and were like, I'm not, something's not right here. Something's not right with this guy. His motives are wrong. Something's not right. And it had nothing to do with the sound. It had something to do with something else. But that's something that he controlled. And so he began to manipulate things in the service to make it sound like terrible. And one night, you know, his son played um, instruments, but he, he wasn't quite yet there to be on the stage yet. But I guess he thought he should have been. And we were running low one night, and, and Jackson could play a little bit, and they were about the same age. And so I asked, we were like, Jackson, could you play bass tonight? Well, this other kid played guitar. A good kid, loved the kid, but he just wasn't quite there yet. Well, the dad was a very jealous guy, and he really liked to put his kids out there to say, look at my kid. It had nothing to do with the kid, other than he just wasn't ready yet. And I needed a bass player that night, and Jackson was good enough to, to play for the service. So the first thing I noticed that night, this guy never ran the bass very loud at all. Actually, matter of fact, I... I always wanted a little bit more. I always want more bass. I was a 90s kid. We always want more bass. And so he never ran the bass very loud. So that night during service, we're trying to have a prayer service. The bass was like, I mean, just like, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then it hit me. He's trying to embarrass Jackson. He thinks that he's going to be bad. Well, Jackson played really good that night. I don't know if the Holy Spirit helped him or what. He did really good. And when he did good, he always does good. But I'm saying, it, he was early on. He did really good. Well, when that didn't work, I heard the bass go all the way back down. So it didn't work because he was playing good. It was irritating because it was so loud. So that made him look bad because the bass was too loud. And then I heard sweet sister so-and-so's voice. I heard mine and Christie's go down, and I heard the cat fight begin. And I was like, what is going on? Well, this guy had run sound for a lot of years. He knew better. And I'm like, why is he doing that? So what he didn't, I would think what he didn't realize, or maybe he did, is our board has a memory. So when you turn it off and you turn it back on, all the faders stay where they were. So I went straight back there that after everybody was gone, and I clicked it back on, and sure enough, bass was all the way down, my voice was all the way down, Christie's was all the way down, and hers was all the way up. So I took a picture of it, and I was, I was typing, what is up, dude? And the Holy Spirit said, don't do that. And I'm thinking, well, I know I ought to walk in love, but I'm, I'm going to let him know that I know. And then the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus did to the, to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, if you say that you are turning that lady up too much, he is going to turn her down, and then he's going to turn her down in her monitor. I didn't think of this. He's going to turn her down on her monitor where she can't hear anything. 
And then when she goes and says, hey, I can't hear you, I can't hear myself, he's going to say, because Pastor Hagen don't think you can sing, and he told me to turn you off. So you know what I did? I just endured about three or four weeks of bad sound and never said a word. Matter of fact, I walked by and said, man, it sounded good today. And then you just see the, he just fumed. Actually, that night that all that happened, about three quarters of the way through the, through the song service when he realized he wasn't, I mean, I was, he was getting to me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't he, he's never walked out of service before. He threw the iPad down and went outside. What was that? The Lord will help you. He will help you. And you don't have to do a thing. So I didn't. I didn't do a thing. I just endured for a little while. But, and, and that's the thing. I think what, what God hates more than anything, especially in his church, is power struggles. Can I get an amen? There's not one person in a local church that should have total control and, and manipulation and, and, and whether they're a bully in control or anything like that. There's not one person that should have that. We all have our different roles because we're one body, many members. So we all have our different roles. But you should never be in a place where you have anybody that is standing and lording over people. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our Lord, not a man. Amen? So it doesn't matter uh, if it is a pastor or, or, or anybody in the church or leadership or anything. It shouldn't be that way. Um, let's see here. So he wouldn't tell them what authority he did, but I want to transition a little bit here and kind of bring it a little bit more personal to us. We know and understand that Jesus has all authority, but what we don't realize is that as a believer, that same authority that Jesus has is extended to us. And, um, of course, we ought, to, we ought to know this, but go to um, Luke, the uh, ninth chapter, and we'll read 1 through 6. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to curse diseases. Let's read that again real slow. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to curse diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staffs nor bags nor bread nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whoever does not receive you when you go out of that city, shake the very dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus transferred his power um, by way of delegation of authority right here. He transferred his power because if you remember, we understand that Jesus had some power there and for a time... Uh, the, the disciples kind of just followed around and just, just kind of oohed and awed about Jesus' power and authority. But right here, he transferred his power to them by delegation. He said, go out, and this is how I want you to do it, and I'm giving you that power and that authority. Of course, uh, everybody in here ought to know Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. And this is what Paul says about 
uh, the power and the authority that we have in Christ. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? So it's not to everybody, but it's to us who believe. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want to I bring something out here. So when, when Jesus was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. So we, know, we understand that. If you go to Acts the 10th chapter, I think it's the 38th verse, it says how God uh, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all those that were sick and oppressed by the devil. And so what I want to bring out to you there is, is that Jesus was able to delegate his, uh, to his disciples the same authority that he had, the authority to, to cast out demons, the authority to heal sick people. He was able to do that before he ever went to the cross. Think about that. We just read where he gave that authority just by word. He said, go out. I give you authority, my authority, to do that. Well, Jesus was anointed of God by the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. He had not yet gone and defeated Satan, as the Bible says, when he was in the grave three days, that he, he triumphed over him openly, that he defeated and, and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He had not done that at that point. And the reason why I bring that out is because when we read what Paul is saying here in the, in the book of Ephesians, he has done that. So if Jesus was able to transfer such power and authority just by word of delegation before he went to the cross, before he went to the grave, before he uh, rose again, before he ascended, how much more authority and how much more power should we be able to walk in as believers now? Amen? And that's what uh, uh, Paul is saying. And what is this exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? So this is something that he worked in him, according to this power, when he raised him from the dead. So how much more power and authority should the church be walking in than even the first disciples? And a lot of times people will say, well, there was a whole lot of good stuff going on back when Jesus was walking the earth and when the disciples were walking side by side with him. But right here, Paul says that there was exceeding great power that is pointed towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So there's exceeding power that is towards us who believe now. And if we can go back and we can see the power and authority the disciples walked in before this happened, that they just got delegated power from the power that Jesus had by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that God put on him on the day of his baptism to go about doing all those miracles that he did. He just, by word, said, hey, go out, you've got authority. So it was no different than, than what a, a, a new police officer would go out in after he's graduated the academy. Here's your badge. Go out in that authority. It was delegated power like that. But Paul is talking about something that I think is even a greater power than that. 
Because he's talking about the power that, that is on us or pointed towards us because of what Jesus did through the cross. Let's read it again. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. He's talking about power and authority and not just some kind of hypothetical power and authority. If we believe that the disciples went out and did what the Bible says they did in this delegated power and authority, how much more should we believe that God would do things that he needs to do through us, the body of Christ? We sing songs about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. We wrote it on our, uh, uh, that was our mission statement going on our mission this year, hands and feet. What do you think the hands and feet are? They're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. What did the hands and feet of Jesus Christ do while he was here on the earth in bodily form? He walked from city to city, laying hands on people, speaking to people, telling them uh, about the wonders of God, freeing them from the evils uh, that, uh, that, that Satan had put on them, whether it be through sickness or poverty or disease or blindness or even deadness. Amen? We've been authorized as the church to exercise the same authority as Jesus did while here on the earth. Now, I, I'm, I'm fully aware that not one person embodies that fully. But as the church, we have authority and we have power. And you're a part of that. Amen? We have authority over sickness, over poverty, depression, wicked and unreasonable people. If we never exercise it, we never use it. That's probably better terminology. Meaning if we never believe the word, because this power is pointed towards us who believe. That's what Paul said, us who believe. But if we never speak that word, if we never walk in that word, I believe that we'll just remain defeated in a lot of areas by default. I'm probably not going to have time to finish this, but let's go... Uh, to Matthew 11. I'm sorry, Mark 11. Verse 22. I'm going to go a little fast for these scriptures here, so maybe we can get done. And you guys know this as the as the one of the uh, faith scriptures, but but listen to what Jesus is saying. So Jesus answered and said to them, "Have faith in God." So my faith is is not my ability to speak or my ability to pray or my ability to, you know. My faith is in God. My authority comes from him. My boldness comes from him. He's my source of all that. So I can't get arrogant and cocky and go, it's because, because I'm so strong. No, no, no. My faith, Jesus said, have faith in God. For assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, we could, we could reason this scripture out and say that, you know, Jesus wasn't talking about real mountains, and maybe he wasn't, and maybe he was, but what he did do is he took the biggest 
object that we could ever think about that we would know is completely unmovable and uses it as an object illustration, meaning that there really is nothing that you couldn't have faith in God that you couldn't speak to, even if it was a mountain, and tell it to be removed, and that it wouldn't be removed. I think the, the, the problem is we read stuff like that and then we go all rogue and we begin to think about all these ideas. Maybe not you or maybe not me or I don't know, but, but I've known a lot of people and they just go off on these rogue ideas about stuff that God didn't put in their heart and they can't find it in the scripture and they just begin to, uh, to, 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 to get off into some uh, weird and crazy areas. But right here, God is, uh, Jesus is teaching us a principle about the authority that we have uh, to, 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 to do things in his name. Have faith in God, for surely I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, they will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, because of this statement I just made, I say to you, so who he's teaching, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Real quick, go to um, uh, Mark the 16th chapter. Get anything out of this? Good. Mark 16, 17, and 18. Watch this. And these signs will follow those who do what? Believe. Are we picking up what Jesus is putting down here? I think we're going to have to believe some things. Not mentally assent to them, but believe them. Speak them, walk them out. These signs will follow, doesn't say might, doesn't say maybe, it says will follow those who believe. In my name, so not in your name, not in your ability, but in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. I always have to make a disclaimer. We are not taking up serpents on purpose and we are not drinking poison on purpose to prove any kind of religious whatever all right just just a disclaimer right you just have to say that sometimes that is not what he's talking about he's talking about basically you don't have to worry about those things because if something like that does happen to you you can have authority even over things that especially in the old world that would have been a certain death a slow death if you drank some poison you go oh I drank poison. There's no antidote. I guess I'm just going to say bye to everybody that I can and I'm going to die. If you get bit by a snake, what happened when Paul got bit by a snake? He got shipwrecked. He got bit by a snake. The, the locals on the island, they, they pulled up a chair and they waited for a dinner and a movie. They're sitting around, you know, eating their pork chops, waiting on, it said, waiting on him to puff up and die. They're just watching him. They don't have TV back then. There's no Netflix. Let's watch the guy die from a snake bite. And he didn't die. And so what, what, uh, what Jesus is talking about here is when you get in those situations that, that, that you go, well, I'm dead. This has happened to me. I'm dead. You can say, no, I've got authority over the poison in my body. I've got authority over the venom in my body. It shall by no means hurt me. That's what Jesus said right here. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus seems really sure, really sure about these things. If a believer will believe them, he seems really sure 
that these things are possible for those who believe. Matthew 18, 18, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever things um, you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever things you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I don't have time to really teach on that, but that's showing again authority. What does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that if there's something on this earth that is bound in heaven, like it can't operate in heaven, then we have the authority to bind it here on earth. And if, we, if there's something that's going on in heaven that, we're, uh, that Jesus paid for us to have on earth, then we have authority to loose that here on the earth. Amen? That's In a nutshell, that's what that's talking about. Um, I don't have time to read uh, Luke uh, 1 through 19. Um, well, go over there real quick. That's my last scripture. Luke uh, 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, just, just go down there to 17. Luke 10, 17. Then the 70, remember he sent them out. He sent them out in, in twos to go out and, and, and do the works that he was doing. So it says, then the 70 returned with joy, uh, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, in your name. And I love Jesus' response here. You guys know I've said it before. And he said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I knew who he was before I ever came down here. I knew his true colors. I knew his weaknesses. I knew his flaws. I watched him literally get flung out of heaven like a lightning bolt. And then he says this. He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Man. I'm just going to tell you. If I saw some of this, and I have seen some of this stuff. If I saw God do some of this stuff through me, I'd be ecstatic like them. But what Jesus is saying by saying, do not rejoice in this, and by his melancholy response to their joy of demons being subject to their name, it tells me that Jesus sees this as something that should be commonplace for a believer. Because if it is exciting, it means that it's rare and it doesn't happen much because he says nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven because of that you have authority and you shouldn't think that it's that big of a deal you should understand and know who you are in heaven and that should not really be that big of a deal to you. Now, it would be. It would be. be a huge deal. And, I, and I'm 99.9% I'm .9 sure that I have cast a demon out of two people in my lifetime. And it, was, it wasn't like the movies, but it was nuts. 
and exciting. But Jesus right here is saying, you guys have allowed him, meaning Satan, to make him to be so much bigger than what he is. I saw him flung out of heaven like lightning. I paraded him amongst his peers in hell and triumphed over him openly, embarrassing him. He's a defeated foe. And I gave you authority to trample on him. So stop letting him be so big. Begin to magnify God and let him be small. He's beneath us. Amen? Is this okay? Satan is a defeated foe, and all his devices are just hanging around in our life sometimes because we let them. We just don't take authority over them. But I want you to know tonight, and I'm putting myself in the same category, that we don't have to let that stuff hang around. And, and the biggest thing is, is that when you are declaring the authority that you have in Christ over these things, you're not... You're not asking God. God's already done it. You're, you're speaking to those things. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. There are things that you ask for and you thank God for, but there are other things that he has given you in him that you just operate in that in his name. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example, and I hope this doesn't get up against you, but I want you to really think about this. If Jesus paid for healing, and he says that we have authority over sickness, then does he need you to ask him for healing? Or does he want you to believe that he paid for that, speak to the sickness and say, get out of my body in Jesus' name? Because he gave you authority over that. I have to remind myself of that. I'm going to tell you one, one more story, and I don't want it to take too long but I think it would have helped this. And you guys probably heard this story. I'm going to make it real, real quick. But my buddy Keith, he has gone on to be with the Lord now. But several years ago, he had a massive heart attack. And he uh, was going into surgery, I think, for a triple bypass. In the process of me and Christy and his only son and his daughter-in-law standing with him as he's going into the operating room, he begins to go into congestive heart failure. His lungs fill up with fluid. Right before our eyes, the nurses go into action. They forget we're standing there watching him die in front of us. And we're in shock because we're like, what is going on? And finally, they see us there, so they escort us out. And we're sitting there, and we don't know what we just saw. We don't know if, if he died right then or we don't know. So we're praying, and they, they come and get us, and they take us into a room, and the, and the, the room has a, a note on the outside of the door that says, Burton family only. I knew that wasn't good if they're putting us in our own room by ourselves. So we're in there for hours, and nobody comes and says a word. Finally, they come through, and we ask, is there any update? They said, nobody's told you anything. No. So they kind of tell us a little bit of something. We really don't know a whole lot. Anyway, long story short, we, we finally get to see him. He's out. And they had to do like an experimental emergency surgery on him that really if everything lined up just right or he would have died. 
But that's not where I, I had to remind myself of, of this. I would go in there, I went in there several times over the next weeks and months, and I would say, I thank you, Lord. And I did thank God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I thank you, Lord, that, that uh, you're healing Keith. You're healing Keith. Thank you, Lord, that you're healing Keith. You know, and I prayed a little bit more than that. But nothing was changing, nothing was happening, and I was getting more and more doubtful that he was ever coming home. He finally woke up, and he was crazy. Crazy. I walked in one day, and he said, are you the man here to sell me a penguin? Uh, no, Keith, I'm your pastor. My what? Crazy. I asked him what drugs he was on. They said he hadn't had drugs in two weeks. Crazy. One day we went up there, and we were going to a youth camp, and you, you know, I was just at that point where I was desperate because we had been going to Little Rock you know, a time or two a, a week, and that's a pretty good waste from us, and nothing was changing. He was just crazy. And um, they didn't, doctors didn't know what was wrong with him. And so we, um, I'm sitting there, and Christy's there, and I put hands on again. I lay hands on Keith right now, and I just thank you, Lord, that you're healing him. And something arrested me. It was the Holy Spirit and said, stop speaking to me and speak to him in Jesus' name. So I said, I, Keith, I command your mind to come back in Jesus' name. I command your body to be healed in Jesus. And it was not this, it, it was not my regular prayer. I command you to come back in Jesus' name. And I and, and I thank you that the same power that raised up Christ from the dead is living and dwelling on the inside of you, Keith. Allow the Holy Spirit to quicken your mortal body. And I walked out of that room. And my thoughts and my feelings thought I may not ever see him alive again. And we went and did a youth camp, and I got back late on Saturday. I did church on Sunday, and I got up Monday, and I drove to the hospital. When I got there, they said they had moved him to another room. And I thought they put him, I've, I've visited people in that other room before. So I didn't, I, I had no expectation when I walked in that room, when I open up that door, he's sitting up in bed, eating jello, and he just turns to me and says, hey, pastor, how are you? Perfectly fine. It had been months. Perfectly fine. They let him out of the hospital two days later after that. He went to another uh, hospital. He stayed in that hospital for about a week just to help him walk and stuff like that again. And then he came home, and he lived a good two and a half more years. You say, why only two and a half more years? Because in that two and a half more years, he did not change anything about his diet. He did not change anything about his exercise habit. And he had another heart attack, and he got congestive heart failure, and he didn't make it. Say, so why do you tell me that story? Because I was so frustrated. And it was like the Holy Spirit had to remind me to get out of your religious modes of how you think you're supposed to pray in certain situations. Certain situations, I mean, Jesus even taught about this. Jesus said there's some situations, remember when the disciples couldn't cast out the demons out of those people? Said, and, and Jesus comes and he says, oh, how long am I going to be with you, faithless generation? And he casts the demons out. And the disciples say, hey, how come we couldn't do that? He said, because some of them only come out by prayer and fasting. 
So you can't just play by the, you have to understand and you have to be led by the Holy Spirit on certain situations. And I was not being led by the Holy Spirit when I was praying for that man. I was being led by just my biblical knowledge and what I've heard other people pray. If we want to get real, real results in prayer, we have to truly understand how God wants it to happen. It's, it's, it's not however I feel like it's going to happen. He put some clear instructions in there. Amen? So use that. I'm not getting on to you. Use that. I'm, I'm showing you the times that I've, I've had trial and error in this, and it's not that I'm using things as an experiment. But the Holy Spirit, if you allow him, will teach you in those situations. So now when I go into a situation... I'm not going in there and just doing the, the, the thing. I'm, Lord, how would you have me to pray for this? Teach me. Show me how to pray for this. But you have, I just wanted to leave you with that. You have authority. There's something going on in your life or a loved one's life. You take authority over that. If it's something that is not of God, you take authority over that. And don't worry about what your eyes see and what your ears hear. You take authority over that. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Sorry I, took you, I, I kept you so long, but I hope you learned something and got something. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you in this place, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that, that as we pray, Lord, we will not put faith in the posture in which we pray. I, we won't put faith in, 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 in how well we can kneel down and clasp our hands together and how eloquent we can pray. We won't put uh, faith in, in, in just religious prayers that our hearts are not attached to. But we will know and understand that our authority comes from you. It comes from that relationship that we have as sons and daughters. It comes from that relationship that we have as a, as a part of the body of Christ. And Lord, the authority that is in your word and the authority that is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, that we don't go out in our own knowledge and we don't go out uh, in our own arrogance and we don't go out uh, in any other thing other than understanding and knowing that we're coming in the name of the Lord when we speak to things and we're taking authority over things in our life uh, by, by the power of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus had authority over that thing, then that means we have authority over that thing. And so we use this for, for good things. Lord, we see things in, in our life and in our family's life and other people's lives, and we take authority over those things. And, and we thank you, Father, that, that, uh, that you said these signs shall follow those who believe. And I thank you, Father, that we are believers and we're not doubters. And Lord, in the areas that we haven't been operating in, I thank you, Father, that you illuminate those things. And Lord, that you help us stand up and begin to take authority over those things. Not being scared of a, uh, maybe a lack of knowledge or not being scared of, of, I don't know if this, no, 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 we read in the word tonight. We know we have authority over those things. So Lord, we praise you and we thank you and we magnify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Love you guys. We'll see you back Sunday for our big Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs>